Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Bomb City Podcast. Man, I am so excited to have this episode ready to share with you guys today. It was so much fun to record. For this interview, I went down to South City Rod and Custom to talk with Donnie Welch and Bill Ganahl. South City Rod and Custom has been putting out some really awesome stuff. Uh, just to name a few, the Gerardo 40 Ford, the Pearson Brothers Coupe, the recreation of the Bill Brees 32. These are just a couple of the amazing cars that have come out of this shop. And these two guys, Bill and Donnie, both have a really interesting history with hot rodding. Donnie Welch, his dad and uncle were like the guys taking pictures at the Fremont Drags. And Bill Ganahl, I mean, it almost goes without saying that Pat Ganahl, his dad, is one of the most important writers, journalists, and historians for custom cars of all time. So I didn't know these guys going into this. And uh, through the interview, I thought it was fascinating to hear how coming from that background and working with some of the builders that they've worked with, like Roy Brizio and uh, and Scott Mugford at Blue Collar Customs, combined with their background in hot rodding and custom cars, all comes together and really plays out in an interesting way when they go to make the decisions that they make when building new cars. So here it is, Episode 5, South City Rod and Custom. Thank you so much for listening. This is a fun one. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed putting it together. Thank you. So, uh, is it rolling? Yeah, oh. yeah, it's rolling. So, uh, what do you want to know? I guess, do you want to tell me about how you got started with the with South City Rod Custom? Uh, yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's, do you want the long story or the short story? Whatever you want to tell. Uh, okay, so, South City Rod and Custom basically only happened because of Brizio's working, I, I started working at, Brizio's in 2000, the year 2000, uh, and I had not planned on being a professional builder. It hadn't occurred to me as a possibility. I think when I was growing up, having cars around all the time, it's almost something you take for granted, yeah. you know, if that makes sense. It didn't occur to me that that could be a profession. You know, it was just something that you do. It's You drive your car and you work on it. You know, it's not something you do for other people or, I mean, you do for fun or whatever, but so I planned on being a, I studied English in college, went to college, okay. uh, and I actually came up to San Francisco for grad school, uh, planning on being a writer, professor, whatever, huh. uh, and got a job <laughs> working for, the only thing that my family you know, my dad being in the business probably helped me with is uh, getting a job at Brizio's. Yeah. And I literally, my dad was like, hey, you need a summer job while you're in college. Why don't you walk in and see if uh, he needs someone to push a broom just for a fun job. You'd be around, you know cars, so you'd be around them and have fun, whatever. Uh, so I, I walked in and literally just, hey, I'm Billy. <laughs> Can I have a job? You know, and, and said, you know, Pat's my dad, you know, of course, because Roy's Dave at the desk and all that. They're, they know him, so, you know, at least it, they knew who I was, kind of. Yeah. And it just, the only reason I'm here, the only reason I have this shop, probably to this day, is that a guy, their shop truck driver, had just put in his notice wow. uh, the week that I walked in there to ask for a job. And he was like, you know what, this, Steve's leaving. Uh, come in, you can drive the shop truck, push a broom, whatever. And that's really what I what I did, started doing. I drove the shop truck and cleaned the toilets, <laughs> you know. Um, so in 2000, I started doing that. And as I as I was working there, 
part-time summers. I'd work full-time, you know, when I wasn't in school and started just really enjoying it. Uh, I started wasting all of Roy's argon at night, you know, learning to weld. And eventually I started taking classes in college <laughs> on metallurgy and uh, I took a welding class uh, in San Mateo. And so I uh, started drifting that way. I started South City Rod and Custom just as a hobby shop, really to work on my own stuff on the side. And it was a shop next door to Roy's yeah. in the alley. Uh, I started with Rolf, uh, Rolf uh, Britton, who worked for Roy, doing paint body kind of work. Yeah, he did some fabrication too. Um, and we shared a shop and we started doing stuff on the side in like 06, yeah. maybe something like that. I'm really bad with dates. Um, and... Uh, it grew into starting to work on other people's cars just because we had the space and I'd do it for nothing. Yeah. Um, we got kicked out of that shop because uh, it got bought and changed into something else, whatever. Everybody got kicked out. So I got a bigger shop just because that's what was available. So it took in more work and it really grew organically, I'd say, you know. Uh, I started getting good cars you know i think so phil and airs was one of the first customers that i had that was like a full quote-unquote full build kind of car which wasn't really a full build it was kind of had a mustang 2 in it already but which car was that that's uh, a 41 gram hollywood all right yeah, yeah i saw pictures of that on your on your website yeah yeah that's it's pretty much like a a restored it's not it's not a it, wild customer or anything no well i mean it's you know, it's lowered, it's, yeah. but everything about, you know, it's got a Mustang two front end, it's got a small block Ford in it with an AOD, nine inch rear end. I put, you know, power windows in it, uh, bear claws, all that kind of stuff. Uh, did the dash pretty stock. It's just a neat dash. Those yeah. cars, they're based on cords. The Graham Hollywood, you know, uh, was, they bought the dies for, for the cord body, uh, in 36 or seven or something like that. And it was a cheap version of those cars, but the, the Graham Hollywood specifically was the cord was a front wheel drive. They converted it to a rear wheel drive and had a supercharged motor. Um, they're you either love or hate those cars. They're weird okay. cars, <laughs> weird looking cars. So it was a real challenge to make one, you know, look like a hot rod kind of, yeah. they don't lend themselves quite to that. So, you know, I lowered it, lowered it way too much <laughs> he it looked really cool when i first gave it to him and he made me raise it back up afterwards because he yeah. couldn't drive it um but anyway so that was the first build there painted that car in the sh joe sprayed it i think i did all the bodywork on it primed it in my little shop and pissed everyone off you know uh and then uh got dave posey's the lepish pickup uh after that um and then nick rogers merc the the ruggiero merc and basically built all those on the side nights and weekends, you know, one man shop. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what started South city rod and custom. And then I moved to Hayward and got this a lot more space to work in and sort of, that's when it really expanded. And that's when I went full time in yeah. I think 2013. Sorry, that was a long version. <laughs> that's cool. So Posey, that's the, the 41 pickup, right? Yeah. Um, so that was another, I guess sort of early on, you started restoring and, and getting back into like early customs, right? Well, 
so uh, so I guess that wasn't the long story. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it even longer. So at Roy's, you know, I, like I said, I started working there as as the shop bitch, basically. Uh, and 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 I only say that kind of flippantly. You know, he Roy really put his trust in me to do stuff that was super cool early on. And I don't know that I would have gotten as excited about doing this for a living if he hadn't let me come in there and I mean he just took full trust I had my shoe box I'd built some Volkswagens I had a couple of type threes you know like it seems like some people that's like your starter car yeah. <laughs> a bug um and uh but he didn't know too much about me and and one of the first things I did was uh I had a shoe box so he let me uh do dropped uprights and lower uh John Mumford's little 50 shoe box that he had there almost like the first month I was there I think wow. And I was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm working on a car at Brizio's. You know, this is crazy. Um, and so that, that's what really Roy just, you know, I say Brizio. Roy Brizio uh, is the reason why I am doing this today. I mean, everything about it, him giving me a job in the first place, really letting me do cool stuff right off the bat at his shop. Um, but what that eventually turned into was for some reason, and I'm not sure why, I don't know if he knows why. <laughs> I don't know what his answer would be. But I got to do almost all of the historic restorations that he got at his shop, which were some just phenomenal cars. I mean, uh, the first car that came through that was a historic build was the Jack Calori 36. Yeah. And of all the guys there, super talented group of guys. And then young Bill, who was, uh, you know, a toilet scrubber. He's like, Bill, why don't, Billy, why don't you, do you want to take on this thing? You know, and, and I think it's because he knew I was young and I was eager and interested in that type of work. A lot of the guys there were in, they were older than me, yeah. which means that they were in that sort of pocket where they were into, you know, Camaros and muscle cars and stuff. And I don't think they appreciated the history, ironically, as much as the younger guy did, uh, because history to me was magical. You know, it was something just, it was I mean, it really is, you know, the, they, I have no, just black and white blurry pictures of this stuff, you know, it seems so right. mystical and far removed. There's, yeah, there's a whole mythology to, to early customs and how it rides for younger people like us. It's like, and I suppose for older guys who maybe lived through it, like, oh yeah, an old custom. It doesn't mean it's the, the same thing. Sure, exactly. Like, I'm probably never going to be excited for seeing like a... A vintage Honda redone. You know? like, <laughs> I hope not. Like it's something I went to high school with. You know? Yeah, those those cars are around. Right, it's not like, right, exactly. It's no, like I, I sort of understand where they're coming from. Exactly. So, you know, so getting to do those cars, though, Roy also, which I don't know if other guys there would disagree with me, but I think he was really fair in giving credit. Uh, to his employees, you know, the articles that they would, and maybe I feel this way because the cars that I did got a lot of publicity and the people who wrote the articles knew that I had sort of been the head lead fabricator, project manager, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And so my name actually, you know, as a kid, I, I did the, the Calori car. I think I was 26, you know, super young and, and, uh, you see the car on the cover of a magazine and it's something that you had your hands on. And then you read the article and it actually says your name in the last paragraph, you know, and you're like, holy shit, this is crazy. Um, so, you know, just all of it, 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 it was, but, but 
because people did kind of know that and Roy allowed it to be known, uh, people sort of, I think, knew that I had a reputation for doing some of that historic uh, restoration yeah. and got my name sort of attached with that sort of thing. Um, so the Lepish pickup was an obvious, you know, car to bring. Dave, when Dave started that car, he started it at Brizio's. He had the chassis done at Brizio's. This was before I had any input whatsoever. Yeah. He had the chassis done uh, as a Brizio chassis, which are awesome chassis, you know, sure. perfect, great driving cars. But it's the Lepish pickup, you know, why, <laughs> you know, so if I had been there at the beginning, knew that it was going to come to my shop eventually, I would have just totally said, hey, use the stock chassis, put the, you know, leave the olds in it, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So I got it when it was past that point. And I think Dave wasn't, didn't have the means that some of Roy's customers have. And so I think Roy was like, well, if you want to finish the car, and get it done at a reasonable price. Why don't you take it over to Billy's shop? Uh, and, and you know, I could say, thanks, Roy. I really appreciate it. But I think he probably just assumed that it would never get finished. <laughs> you know, so it was more like a, hey, why don't you just go over here and, and you know, make a Bill's problem. Um, and I just it was super lucky that Dave and Camille, his, his wife, just wanted to finish that car. And they pulled out all the stops to get it done, which doesn't always happen. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's the Lepish story. You know, I mean, I, after having the T, the, the Brizio chassis in it and the Chevy, yeah. which I couldn't undo at that point, we'd already, you know, put a lot, invested a lot of money in that. Um, so I just said the next, he wanted to paint the car black. He wanted to paint the truck black. He wanted a black interior. He wanted American five spokes with radials on it. And that's how that car would have gotten done if he did it at Brizio's, I, I would guess. Yeah, was and, it in his uncle's? What's that? Was it in his uncle's? Oh, so Lepish, yeah. So yeah. The, the story of the truck is is that uh, Dave grew up, his uncle uh, owned the owned a used car dealership down in uh, on the peninsula. And Dave grew up knowing the truck. It was different, you know, throughout. I think it was green at one point. It was the worst metal flake gold you've ever seen when I got it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he knew it, throughout, and he got it in, like, 1982 or something and just stored it away because he knew he couldn't afford to do anything with it at the time. Yeah. Uh, but it still had the dual quad holds in it, which eventually is actually the motor that's in the breeze scoop now. Oh. So it kind of was a, that was a cool, uh, you know, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever you want to call it. That's cool. Seven um, degrees of dual quad olds. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, I I pushed him to restore the car, at least on the exterior, to the way it was. Uh, and he was amenable, fortunately. I was really afraid the whole time. I was like, oh, my God, what if he hates it when it's done, you know? Uh, but Camille, uh, his wife, you know, they would come in. They were just so fun to work with. They would come in. He would come in almost on a weekly basis, if not more. And she would come, you know, every other week or so. And she just really dug the, you know, doing the white interior. I really had to push him. I didn't do the interior exactly the way it was back in the day, but, you know, more of a take on it than yeah. the black, you know, interior he wanted. And she just, both of them got into it and, and really latched on to the, 
historical significance of it. So that's cool. I've always had this weird, like with old customs, like they, like you said, they evolve over time. There's a bunch of different colors. So like picking the the finish line that this car was and going back to it, it's it's such an interesting thing. I guess what made you decide that this this particular version of it was the right one to take it back to? Well, that. So after after doing the restorations for Roy, which you know, so I did the the Calori car, and and like I said, I'm bad with dates. I can't even remember what order I did these in. It's really, really bad. I did the Calori car. I think the Barris Merc next, then the Alacart, and then I I redid the McMullen Roadster. That one it had kind of been done, and I pebble beachified <laughs> the McMullen Roadster. Um, those were all literally nut and bolt every, you know, as if they were going to be scrutinized in a Pebble Beach situation, which, of course, a few of them actually did. Um, and that meticulous of a restoration, you pick, you say, okay, well, we're doing this to the hot rod cover yeah. in 47 or whatever. You know, so you, you pick an exact point at which you think the car was either its most authentic, most recognized, or just the best version of it, uh, and you just pick it and stick with it. Yeah, so, so in restoring custom, you still have a lot of creative input on which, I guess, which one you think was the best version of it to work with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not opinionated about that kind of thing. Not at all. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and that, I guess, a, a case in point on that that I would... It's not a car that I had anything to do with, but that I saw get done was uh, the Welch Merc. Uh, Justin Mozart um, restored that car, and I just I liked that car because I remember it when uh, it, it was Joe Eddie's car. Who coincidentally Joe Eddie's who I bought my first shoebox from, mm-hmm. but he owned the Welch Merc when he didn't know it was the Welch. I'm pretty sure he didn't know it was Welch Merc at the time. Uh, but anyway. Justin had to decide that car was known very well in two different iterations. You know, it was gold on the on in its cover version, and then it got painted purple later, I think, when the Barrises redid it. And, you know, he, he Justin, at that time, I, you know, I don't know him that well, but he would call me every once in a while. Uh, and I just said, oh, you got to paint it gold. Yeah. You know, uh, that's... That's to me, you know, and that's just it's personal though. That's the I think the car looks great purple, yeah. Um, but the gold version of that car is the one that on the cover is the one that I will always remember, you know. Uh, but that, but, but you know, he's the one who did it, and he decided to do it purple, and and that's how that car get done, you know. And that's exactly the, what you're talking about. That's the personal creativity that goes into that kind of thing. Uh, and the car is absolutely beautiful, you know. I mean. <laughs> It's stunning. So, but you know, Dave's pickup—it's uh, not as authentic as I would like it to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, if no, it. In what way? Oh, it. It. I really wish it had the dual quad olds in it. I mean, that's half of what made that truck so cool. Um. We didn't put the Plymouth bumpers on it. Uh, you know, there, there's certain things that little grate in the back that was over the bumper that was just such a neat late fifties touch. It was so period fifties and so cool to me when people were experimenting with, you know, extruded aluminum, yeah. you know, fridge 
Frigidaire siding and shit right. and putting that kind of stuff on cars, uh, you know, it's just that kind of pocket of 1958 to 1962 that was came and went so quick that the a la carte was such a pinnacle of, uh, well, ahead of its time. It kind of started that, I'd say. But, um, you know, so I didn't get to do some of that stuff because Dave, I, I pushed him, I think, as far as I felt that I could without <laughs> bending him out of shape, you know. <laughs> Uh, I put Nerf bars on it, you know, did some 60s things, but it's just kind of, well, let's do what could have been, I guess, instead. But it still, you know, came out killer. And it's a it's a, a rebuild of a classic, you know, yeah. it, it's not a nut and bolt restoration. One of the other cars that I saw that, that you did that really struck out as interesting was the, the Breeze Coupe. The owner of that car, that, so it's a clone, right? But he owns the original version also. That's such a... I So I need to state... That the owner uh, hates the word clone. Okay. Like, we, we can talk about it. I, I feel the same way. Like, yeah, he. Like, the, the Pacifica is my favorite Winfield car of all time. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time calling the new one a clone, even though it started as you know, a completely different thing. Right. It's so true to the spirit. I mean, Winfield built it. So it's, it's something in between. You know? Right, right. It's not really a tribute, it's not really a clone. It's. To me, not the Pacifica too. It's a, I don't know. I, I can totally understand like, because the word clone has such a like, clone implies like there's nothing creative. Like, it's not a part of the same. It's just this existed and then this one was made. Right. And even like a, like the grapevine. Like that one is closer to a clone, but it's still like because like, the original grapevine got crushed. Yeah. But that one is so close to Watson's car. Anyway, it's it's something else. Right, it's, right. Clone's sort of a dirty word for it. Well, I'll... <laughs> exactly. I think it's a pejorative term. Definitely. So, yeah, it. I personally don't care. Call it whatever you want. <laughs> you know, to me, uh, look at the car, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but yeah, Richard, uh, oh, I can't remember. I think it even still says clone on my website. And he, <laughs> Billy, I don't... I, your website just says it says clone. You know, I don't like that word. <laughs> So, uh, and I think it maybe said it in one of the articles about it or something. And he, <laughs> That's probably where I got it Yeah, from. it's yeah. funny. I, I mean, it, it's just, he, he's not, yeah, he feels that way about it, but, you know, <laughs> who, who cares really in the long run? I, I guess the where did the decision come from to, to not restore the original one and start something new? Well, that that's another, you know, kind of long story. It was a tough decision. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you're... In this day and age when everybody is, it's so trendy right now to go find an old hot rod. Right. I, I get, you know, emails and calls all the time. You know, I found such and such car. It's a 32 Ford and it has a 39 transmission. Do you have any history on it? You know, you're like, oh my God. You know, but there's people just searching and they want to find some sort of provenance on cars. right? So anyway, that being the, the trend to not restore the actual car is kind of uh, going against the grain, yeah. you know. Uh, but Richard, when he he owns the original car, the original Breeze Coupe, and it is a done driving car. It is done. There, there's very specific circumstances here. It's a done car. It is actually was in the top seventy-five deuces display or, or collection which was at the grand national show and you know five six years ago whenever that for the 75th anniversary i think they did it uh 
so it's it is done the way that Bill Brees intended to. He had started rebuilding his car almost right after the Hot Rod article came out, and he wanted to totally redo it completely different. He channeled the body over the frame, you know, section the quarters, section the hood, the grill, uh, put a big block in it, put a jag rear end in it. I think somebody said he put a jag front end in it, uh, you know, but it's totally different. It's done, painted to undo all that. And I've seen the pictures of the work that was done on it mm-hmm. and not to disparage anybody's work, but just back in the day, you know, people didn't do things to the metal finished, you know, crazy <laughs> level that we do now. Stuff's flame cut and lap welded. Yeah, with a stick. <laughs> to, un- to undo that would have taken so much more work, yeah. and there wouldn't have been much of the original car left if I, you know. So I, I was one of the few people who said, "Let's, you have this car already, you own it. Why don't we build a replica of the way it used to be, so you have both?" And he's got this really impressive display. Put them next to each other, and and you've got it how it is now and how it was then. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think it really was a smart way to do it. The, to restore the original car would be uh, significantly more expensive, which maybe doesn't matter to somebody like Richard, but... Give a second to work through. Oh, wait, no, 30 seconds. Okay. Um, I'm up against a lot of weird sounds with this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just comes with recording in shops and studios. Right, right. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, I, I was one of the few who, who and I, I'd stand by that choice any day of the week. I mean, it, it was a smart way to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't say that I'm a huge fan of the way that the car is, the the real car is now. Yeah. It's not the you know, it, it's a '90s. It was finished in the '90s. He was ahead of his time. That kid, Brees, was amazing. You know, he he. The things that he did on, on the original car the first time around, the things he was doing to it to redo it, he just never finished it. But it was way ahead of its time even then. It looks like a 90s street rod, but he had been thinking of this in the 70s. you know. So uh, it's a testament to what he wanted the car to be eventually anyway. Uh, you know. So, so, we, so we built a replica, not a clone. <laughs> That's cool. And you did manage to do it just a little bit differently. Like, uh... It doesn't have lake pipes, right? Lakes pipes? Am I thinking of another one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lakes pipes on a 32? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm thinking of the 41, aren't I? Does that one have lakes originally? Oh, oh, the Lepish pickup. Yeah. Um, it had lakes pipes in its later version. Right. Uh, when I got the car, it had, yeah, those like corrugated, uh, you know, the the robot from lost in space arms right. uh coming out the yeah and I, I had told him you know we could do uh bedside pipes and yeah. you know I, I explored a few options for stuff like that it did i think you're right so it had those going down the side and then they came up and and over the bed uh right. even for doing my research all at the same time yeah no no <laughs> yeah that's right that's 41 no but i i did do a few things different on the breeze car um which i would not have done if we were restoring the original yeah. Because it was a, a tribute or a replica or whatever you want to call it, it gave me a little leeway to not be as hypersensitive <laughs> about every nut and bolt. Um, and, and I don't think Richard really, again, I pushed him to do it closer to the original than I think he wanted it. You know, he, he sent me a pile of parts 
many of which just weren't what, what were in the car even to start with. And he was like, ah, just make it work, you know. Yeah. And so I was the one who said, well, you know, I really think we should do it a little closer to the, the original. If we're going to do it, let's do it, you know. Um, so, again, I kind of pushed for even a little more authentic than I think he intended it to be. But, no, I didn't put lake pipes on it. <laughs> <laughs> so you should uh, ask uh, Donnie a few things here. Uh, so that you can get back to working out there. (laughs) Donnie, so, uh, Donnie, you're kind of asking how the shop got going. I guess Donnie's a part of that. Um, Like I said, you know, for the majority of the time that I've had my own shop, it's just been me working in a closet. Uh, But when I sort of expanded, expanded the space and got, you know, enough stuff going and I was forced to realize that I needed help. Uh, Donnie's, Donnie's right now, he's my best employee, by far my best employee. (laughs) And my worst. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so he, he was living in Sacramento. Well, I mean, I can let you tell the story. Rolf kind of married us. Rolf. Thanks, Rolf. Mm. Um, well, I guess my story is that I, I grew up just looking at hot rodding. Um, my dad was a drag racing photographer at Fremont um, on the concession stand there. And so I grew up around hot rodding. Uh, same kind of story as Bill. Didn't really think of it as a job or anything. Kind of fell into it later. Um, after going to mechanic school, uh, I ended up getting into, you know, like, more custom culture and and that kind of thing late 90s and uh, early 2000s got a job with Scott Mugford at Blue Collar Customs in SAC oh, cool. and worked for Scott for almost eight years uh-huh. um, and then worked at some other shops and Rods R Us a, a pretty prominent street rod shop up there and worked alongside like Paul Garland worked with Paul for a few years um, and basically worked with Rolf um, Britton, who, um, as Bill mentioned, did a lot of paint work at Brizio. And so he, he was living out there, and work, we worked uh, alongside each other at, at uh, Rods R Us, and uh, knew that I had wanted to move to, back to the Bay Area at some point, and... Um, had mentioned Bill and kind of been keeping me up to date with what Bill had going on. Um, and so just eventually got us in touch with each other and when Bill was ready to, to hire an apprentice. It was perfect timing, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I think that was just, that was over two years ago um, now. And so... Yeah. Well, it worked out really good for you because you and Shay wanted to get back in the Bay Area. And exactly. It, it was perfect timing for both of us. Right. So we had just had our son, and he was like four months old, three months old. Yeah. And I uh, thought you were crazy for moving right then. <laughs> oh, I was stupid. I took the Amtrak every day. Yeah. I had to go pick for, him up in the morning from Amtrak. <laughs> for like two fucking months, yeah. I took Amtrak in the morning and evening back and forth. With, yeah, yeah. With, with a three-month-old. 
<laughs> so uh, shout out to my wife, right? <laughs> uh, because she definitely facilitates um, me being able to do my passion, and uh, I mean, hooking up with Bill is is awesome. Uh, obviously, his you know the cars that he's done, and and getting into a shop like 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 Bill has going has been awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm definitely history minded and definitely a traditional guy, really really sixties, you know. I, An I open minded traditional guy. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we try not to. Donnie and I I think have we have just our our overlap in uh, aesthetic opinion and and value is just the right amount, and we also have enough of of you know different opinions coming from different angles to sort of strike the right balance of bouncing ideas off of each other. You know, I mean, when I'm, when we're putting a car on the ground for the first time and looking at tires and stuff, I mean, we just like, we're both like on the same page about, you know, how the aesthetic should look. And, and also Donnie can make some suggestions that I might not have, you know, thought about or, or you know, and, and also I, I think we're both kind of some people right now, it's a weird time to be in right now. There's some people who are so hardcore traditional yeah. and it just, it's like, yo, cool, you know, do do your thing, but Jesus, man. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't care if you have a '39 box in your in your '32 chassis if well, you're on the side of the road. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna, you know. so you know, great, have a car with a '39 box in it, uh, but don't hate on the dude who's got a T5. Uh, you know, who's having just as much fun as you, and yeah, maybe exactly. true. You know, that, that's a better way of putting that. I. I I think it's open. Being open-minded means being open-minded. I'm open-minded to the hardcore traditionalists, whereas I don't think sometimes they're open-minded to some of the things that other people do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of a. If there weren't different, if I didn't think something was ugly, then how fun would it be if everything looked good? You know, I mean, it, you need a little bit of that, uh, and and as long as you're being opinionated in a fun and light-hearted way which I try to do. I mean, I'm opinionated as shit, but I, I try not to hurt anyone's feelings. I, or, you know, I, my intention is not to hurt anyone's feelings. It's, it's more... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, but, but I, I think the world's a way better place with people having way different opinions. It's, yeah, just, it's sure. just that some people aren't capable of... Maybe they're not secure enough to accept that somebody might not like their opinion, you know, and I'm fine. I know a lot of people don't like my shit. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. So that's, that's our uh, philosophy yeah. section of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. It reminds me, we were talking about the, the Gerardo 40. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Gerardo? Gerardo, yeah. Gerardo. Yep. Um, it, that sort of goes to all the, the points we were just talking yeah, about. Exactly. You know, that's a different take. Yeah, well, that I'll let Donnie put in his two cents after this too, because Donnie that so that car just to preface talking about that car uh, is really I I put Donnie through the ringer right when he started working here on <laughs> some first no 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 I put him through the ringer on some shitty uh, a shitty pro- project <laughs> in particular that we're not going to talk about <laughs> uh, and he not only after sitting for two hours each way on Amtrak. Uh, but knocked it out and didn't even complain that much. Uh, that's how I knew he was uh, the, the real deal. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the 40 was, I mean, Donnie did 
you know, 95% of the sheet metal work on that car and the fabrication. Uh, so it really was, was a, a his first, you know, build here. It was my first full build, I'd yeah. say, beginning to end. Yeah. I mean, I, I took it from uh, sitting on a cart with rusted floors and put floors and firewall in it and set it on the TCI chassis. That car had been in a fire. Oh, wow. The car that he, that, that Tony brought us, had was fresh out of a fire. And the guy who owned it was like, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Unloaded it on, on him. And so he brought it here thinking he was going to plop the body on a TCI frame and, you know, put a motor in it and go. Budget build. Uh, but that often doesn't happen when you bring a car here. <laughs> I, I, you know, we we talked about a lot of ideas throughout the, the process. And, and as, you know, I, I'm... If... if I, I don't know, you know, I think like I said at the beginning, I don't know why anyone would want to listen to much of what I have to say. You know, I, I really, I don't think I am have too interesting of a person necessarily, but I would let what I build speak for myself. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud of the eye for what I think a car should look like. That said, this 40 is a little bit of a departure from any... I mean, you know, it, it's a weird car, really, when it comes down to it. Um, it it's it's an identity crisis. The identity crisis 40 is what I, <laughs> what I lovingly refer to it as. You know, but, but what it is is sometimes you get a customer who comes in. You hope eventually that your shop, that people are coming to your shop because they like your aesthetic mm-hmm. and they want your opinion. They know that you're going to choose detail cues that that they've seen in the past your, your style and, and that they want, you know, I might not be there yet. You know, I, I don't know if people are walking in the door cause they want a car, a South city rod and custom car, or if they're just walking in because their friend said, ah, they do a pretty good job. You should have them do it. You know, uh, Tony was very opinionated. He's a street rod guy coming from a very street rod perspective, has a pro mod car, Camaros, you know, muscle car stuff. So to try to get him to build, a nostalgic custom tail dragger 40 Ford was not an option right from the get-go and I knew that so starting from the parameters of having somebody with a totally different perspective come in the challenge is to build something that everyone's happy with Uh, and that is where that car came from you know he wanted again like the Lepish car the Lepish car it had precedent, you know, there was a car that I could say, this is what it was, man, this is really what you should, yeah. you know, keep the, that alive. That car, you know, Tony doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about when I say it should have a Carson top, but be a hot rod, you know, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people I think would think twice about that, maybe they still do after seeing it, you know. Um, but, you know, so that's that's what I do is, I, well, let's, the tops on those things, the top on a 40 convertible is just atrocious, it, I can't believe that for, you know, with all the good things that they did, the 39 was killer. It was just proportioned great. And then they decided, well, the people in the back need some more headroom. So they literally expanded the top, you know, by another couple feet, I think, up and back, you know. So anyway, I, I worked on them for a long time just saying, hey, if you build this car and just leave the stock top on it, it's going to look like shit. Or you're just going to always have the top down. And he wanted the top up, so... That's how I talked him into doing the Carson, the liftoff style top and, and to be a nod to the Carson style. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, what I was telling you out there was I wanted it to be 
of 50s custom that somebody got a hold of in the mid or late 60s and sort of redid as a 60s hot rod, you know. And I would have never even come up with that idea if it wasn't that I had to work with Tony's parameters to start with, you know. And so I, I, I pitched him Halibrand, and I said, you know, if you got balls, you'll put some real Halibrands on this thing. <laughs> and then went to look for some real Halibrands that would fit a 44 and realized that I put my foot in my mouth, you know, good luck. So then, you know, the next step was, well, if we get some, if we modernize it a little bit, which, you know, was to Tony's taste, yeah. let's get some Halibrand style wheels. Uh, you know, and I wanted to put bias plies on it. And like I was telling you, I, the size wheels that we ended up putting on it, I only realized after the fact that there was no bias ply tire that was the right dimensions. So then I had to figure out a deal for the radials. And I thought, well, pinstripe white wall, do it. Let's push it into the sixties, push the sixties thing a little bit. Uh, and then even went as far as I thought with the color, then I thought of the color. I was like, it's gotta be, he wanted to paint it gold. And I just had this you know sometimes you wake up in a cold sweat and you just see a car the way the way the car is going to be and it was baby it was light metallic blue with a white top you know and so then it was well the if we do the wheel with with a cast center with the pinstripe red line that on the blue you know it just it looked right to me in my in my mind and then it's a matter of convincing tony uh through a lot of yelling and arguing <laughs> and yeah, hoping a couple drawings a couple of and we had justin brummeyer do a couple of renderings which uh i think you know they're invaluable sometimes for people who can't visualize things yeah. which i think i have i didn't really know that was a thing you know i i guess i just have the ability i see it in my mind you know i don't need a rendering i i kind of know what the car is going to look like so I, I i just go and do it but for a customer trying to convince them it's invaluable sometimes yeah. but yeah so donnie <clears throat> as I was sort of coming up with bouncing crazy ideas off of Tony, uh, Donnie just put it into physicality perfectly. I mean, doing the whole, doing the metal work around the back section of that car. I mean, pe- and it's an exercise in subtlety too. You know, it's just, how do you make the lines better? You don't do a modification. I mean, this is my theory, my ethos with any car. You don't do a modification to do a modification or to show people that you did a modification. Yeah. I'm not going for judging points at a car show. I'm saying what will make this car look better. And oftentimes that's doing something that nobody's going to notice really. Yeah. yeah, it's very mildly chopped. And the amount that we moved the catwalk, that was you know, pretty heavily thought over and mocked up a few different times. Yeah, absolutely. Stood back, looked at you know, pulled lines on and, and, and made sure it was going the exact direction that, that Bill had in mind. And uh, I think we worked really well on that, like as far as you saying that's wrong. <laughs> and then me fixing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're still friends. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, no, but that that's what it's about. You know, so... I'm pe- really proud of how that all turned out, though. The roof line change on that car is... I, oh. I, I think it, it, it really made it... a it's different than all other 40s out there. Well, so that car, you know, I'll, this brings up a, a lot of different things that I feel like I could say about that thing. You know, one thing that I'll say before I forget is the roof line on that car, uh, Chris Plant. Chris nailed it. Who yeah. does, has done all the interiors and all the cars that I've 
nice cars that I, you know show cars that I've done. Mm-hmm. I sort of brought up the idea with him of doing the top, and basically the way that we convinced Tony to do the car was that Chris would include the top in his price on doing the interior, which means that the fabrication work got kind of passed off on him. And he just, you know, took it and ran with it. And he was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. And, you know, I... The whole structure. He built the whole structure out of aluminum. Uh, I mean, the whole thing, it's all fabricated. Uh, Most, like a Carson top, they would start with the original top irons and they would cut the top irons, sort of at least keep the, the back couple... Mm-hmm. keep the header bow and all that uh so you kind of have a structure to start with but he had nothing and so i just I, we held some welding rod up you know when i went up there the first time and i was like that's about the silhouette and we really got to work on the corners and make sure that it all flows right and i just went up there you know three or four times and refined just little stuff but you know he kind of nailed it right out the gate uh and if it weren't for that top that car, it would ruin the car. You know, I mean, that's if the top wasn't right, the whole car would be shit. So, uh, it, it, that car, and, and for me to be a one man shop for so long and then have to come up with an idea and then just trust it to Donnie and trust that top to Chris yeah. is hard for a person like me. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm used to, to doing it myself, um, and I just couldn't be happier with. It's it's interesting and a new feeling in life to actually be able to trust other people to do something that means something as much to me as these cars do. Uh, and sorry, that's the sentimental part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big deal. I mean, that's a, like I learned early on in my career that like getting someone else to to do something and you accomplish your vision for it is it takes so much trust like it's tempting as like uh, a shop owner or a manager or someone in charge of a project to just push everyone else out of the way and try to do everything yourself but if if that's your goal you're gonna have one car in the shop a year maybe and you're exactly. never gonna get through it exactly so, and, and that and that's i realized that uh with my when i was working in a closet i mean i we don't make any money doing this this is this is a labor of love and you got to really want to do this for a living to do it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I make less money now than when I had a job. I'm a, I want to go back to Roy and just be like, man, <laughs> I just can I have my job back. I want a W two. Um, but you know, I realized that I really wasn't going to get anywhere being a one man shop renting space in the Bay area. Yeah. My overhead, you know, it's just, you, it's untenable. You oh, can't yeah. do it. So I had to expand. I have to trust people. You're exactly right. I and mean, that's, and and getting the right people in here. I mean, that's why it's still just me and Donnie. Yeah. Is because I've put out, you know, hiring things and the people who respond, I'm just like, no, not quite right. You know, no, you don't quite love it as much as I think you should. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really fucking arrogant, but, you know. I, <laughs> it's it's unlike any other business. Like, it's, it's really a personal thing to build a car, and it takes, like, a personal connection with what you're doing. If you just have someone who wants to punch a time card and, and go home and like do half-ass work it's uh, your name's going to be on it too and and then you know it's a small shop you're going to see them every day too like <laughs> yeah. I completely walk in i don't respect you <laughs> every day yeah no um no it's 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 true i mean we're we're 
it's a unique business of like I don't know, like career artisans. You know, it's it's not just production work. Craftsman, exactly. Yeah, quite quite literally. Uh, you know, I, I I'm gonna sound pompous as shit saying this too, but I really, you know, I I feel like I think my dad way back he did this whole they they did a whole symposium on is it an art or a craft. Yeah. And I think they kind of didn't really decide anything. And and it, we really walk the line between those two things. I mean, some of what we do day in and day out is just, you know, welding two pieces of metal together, you know, but your end game is always a piece of art in my mind. This thing, and it's a craft because it's a usable piece of art. I mean, the fact that it has, uh, you know, uh, it's a car it's something you know it's a piece of machinery but to me and and i i joke about this too i I can't remember where i heard this but i just even when i was a kid i was like that's the saying it's fashion never function you know you're all i always you make it work but the overall goal is that it's got to look good you know if it doesn't look good what's the point you know so it's the, the artistic side of it is what drives drives me at this and i just happen to be patient enough to barrel through the mechanics of it yeah i never thought i'd work on cars like in high school we were just talking about this yet the other day i i was always into art yeah. i took art classes yeah right right and and cars were my dad's gig yeah. like that i i never thought of doing it so it's kind of like my transition of you know making a living and doing something that that i'm proud of and putting aesthetic into something I think it's an interesting take. I, I was, I mean, I like we were talking about, I was into art, drawing, music, artistic things. And writing, uh, obviously. Writing, yeah, exactly. Uh, and never feeling like I was very good at any of it. And I'll be totally honest, I think the reason, the, probably the reason I never thought that I would build cars is because I never thought I was good at it. <laughs> you know, my dad is the car builder, yeah. and he's built crazy cool cars in his garage that I just grew up with. I never thought that's something that I could do. Um, you know, I, I was struggling to lower my Volkswagen a spline, you know, as a 16 year old. Um, and, and again, to Brizio, just kind of being like, Hey, you're, you're all right at this. Why don't you keep going? Here's a raise, you know? And then as I gained confidence in it, uh, I, and to be honest, even though I had maybe no confidence, I would still cut a 34 Ford three window top off. No questions asked, you know, <laughs> hope I can put it back on, uh, you know, but I, I don't think, I don't think I had the thought that I was good at it. I still don't feel good yeah. at it. You know, I owe that to Mugford for sure. Being, yeah. He was like pretty early on. He's like, Hey, you know, you're pretty good at doing this stuff. Mm. God forbid our dads would ever tell us yeah. that as kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he, he was more like, you know, he was really cool allowing me to be the lush I was in my 20s and yeah, still yeah. keeping me employed. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think he just knew that from being like a, a skateboarding punk himself that actually was like, hey, this, this, you've got talent, quit being such a fuck up, and maybe someday it'll do you good. Right. You know, stop spending all your money at the bar but or spend it at the bar but come in and do your work every once in a while yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean well and that's i learned that balance from him for sure right 
but his his encouragement yeah the same no, thing as Roy to you you know that's uh having having mentors people who bring the best out of you and encourage the best in you my parents I mean shit I had a rosy childhood my parents encouraged me to do a lot of things I I, I should be a baseball player right now you know <laughs> according to my mom but uh you know, cars wasn't one of them for some reason. It's just something that I really took upon myself to do. I, I think my dad didn't want to push that on me yeah. because he didn't want to feel like he had influenced me into something just because it's what he did. So I totally understand his reluctance to to push me in that direction. And I really didn't go in that direction until way after I was out of the house. Uh, so I feel, ironically, I get frustrated when I hear people kind of Oh yeah, you had silver spoon, you know, you, you were born into this. I I tried as hard as I could not to go this direction. And my parents, my dad in particular, tried real hard not to make me feel like this was a necessity by any means, but even an option is what it kind of, you know, felt like to me, I guess. So I feel like I earned where I am, uh, on, on my own, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very proud of what I've accomplished, and I have Roy uh, to thank for th- this. You know, doing it professionally, really. You know, uh, I have my my dad and my, my mom, their support. And if I have anything to thank for my dad, uh, it would be. Uh, I think I can't deny that my sensibility, appreciation for aesthetics, and sensibility, and probably my <laughs> opinionatedness, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I got a lot of people to thank uh, for where I am, but I'm I, I am happy that I was able that I feel can feel and say confidently that I worked really hard, you know, to to do it on my own. Yeah, earned your own legs. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I would just sign off on that completely. Like I, I knew the name South City and Bill at South City before I knew Bill Ganahl, and then I finally put it to oh, this is this is Pat's son, so. I think you're gonna. I mean, I think the work speaks for itself. I, well, that that's actually really good to hear. I I don't. Um, I, I get the feeling that a lot of people don't know that. Uh, South that, that they might know South City Rod and Custom, but don't know who I am or, or what my name is at all. You know, yeah. I I kind of. Somebody said to me once, they're like, "Man, Billy, you're you're kind of a mystery, man. Like you're just really under the radar." And I'm like, I, I don't try to be. I I'm not a. I'm, I'm really not a good promoter. And, and if there's going to be, if my shop fails, it's because I'm just in the shop working and not actually promoting the shop. <laughs> I, I, that's part of the reason why I, I felt so good about moving my family here, though, and working for you is because, like, I, I knew that about you and that you are you were just being the workhorse and not relying on, you know, the, those those other... Well, welcome to a sinking ship, Donnie. Yeah, <laughs> welcome yeah. aboard. <laughs> yeah, two years later. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I I knew that you you had your you know your head down and and were consistently working towards doing rad shit and and trying for that you know instead of like hey I put out the Calori car give me all the credit when you know you those were all under Roy anyways and oh it's that's not exactly like you were yeah. you were grandstanding or something or even even Lepish it's like. You saw that car coming and go and do its thing and and well, well. So I'm a I'm not a people person 
I'm a misanthrope. You know, I mean, I'm I'm happiest when I'm uh, in the back of the shop uh, working. You know, part of it, you know, going to shows and, and doing that kind of stuff is necessary. Yeah. And I'm, I'm worried that I'm, you know, not good enough at that part of it. But uh, I hope that the cars speak for themselves. Um, I've gotten really lucky, really lucky to have gotten the work that I've gotten at this shop. I mean, getting the experiences that I had at Roy's to touch the a la carte is, you know, I mean, I, I, I could have quit and become a garbage man after that. <laughs> And been fine in life. I mean, just really been like, man, I did something cool, you know. But that's not something exactly like you said. That was for Roy. That's not something you go around saying, I built the a la carte. I built the blah, blah, blah. But that's rad. I think that's cool. And well, that, but it's that's, true. It's, <laughs> it's not. It's not I, I, have, I, I mean, thanks, I guess, you know. But people who would have taken a credit for that and gone around bragging about it, it's just that's not... I don't know. Whatever. It, it, different people. I, I guess I just look at it as I'm shy, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but yeah, to 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 have gotten to do those things is cool enough in itself. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm happy within about it. You know. I don't need to go putting that out. <laughs> I guess that was not very eloquent, but whatever. It's that's really important. I mean. If you're not, then what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, totally. true. Because you're not going to find it from outside. Right. No, no, people, you know, the, those people who say, uh, you know, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life right. are full of shit because <laughs> I've turned what I love into a job right. <laughs> uh, and some days are stressful. You know, it, it's funny. I, I'm, you know, you're a type A personality or, or not and I stress out about all this shit. Maybe that's, you know, I, I care about every car in there and I care about every freaking part I have to order from Summit. I wake up at three in the morning in a sweat, like, oh my God, I forgot the ballast resistor for the, you know, whatever. And it's like, go to sleep. But, uh, you know, I have to remind myself sometimes how lucky uh, I am. I'm not going to tell Donnie he's lucky. You know, he's got to figure that out for himself and, and everyone does. But I know that Donnie feels lucky to be here, which is why I appreciate him being here. Yeah, <laughs> at least I thought you did. <laughs> no, I love every minute of it. Yeah. I mean, the, it's pain and pleasure, so, you know, and if you don't learn to, to love the pain, then you're going to suck at life, Well, it, I think, you know. It goes along with, with me thinking that people with different opinions make the world go around. Right. If there wasn't, you know, I mean, it's more philosophy, sorry, but... If you don't, you know, you don't appreciate the good if you don't have the bad, the, the negative. And, and not to say that there's much negative about this. I mean, we're talking about a pretty small scale, a little relative scale. The bad days is like, God damn it, UPS didn't come. You know, now we have to wait till tomorrow to put the distributor in or whatever. Yeah. You know, I, Sitting in the hospital with shit in your eye. You know, oh, yeah, There's, yeah, there's yeah, all yeah. that fun and glory. Right. No, well, the, I keep, I tell my lovely uh, and supportive wife that uh you know i'm gonna die of three different types of cancer you know at age 55 we we do put ourselves through some shit doing this stuff right. and and all the stuff that i didn't do when i was a, a stupid kid you know all the stuff i inhaled that i didn't have to and uh you know and you look back on it and you're like well that was dumb but oh well i also smoked cigarettes for 10 years you know so whatever and then there's bill hines yeah you know 
Yeah. Live a long life, huffing the worst. Well, yeah, and you just, you're like, man, I hope my genetics uh, (laughs) 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 prove that resilient. Yeah, Gene Winfield, uh, I mean, Bill Hines up into God Rest His Soul. uh, uh, Those guys just, you're like, I'm I'm 38, and some days I'm like, oh my god, I'm so tired. I don't want to go in right now. Those guys are just savages, you yeah. know. I mean, just to be admired for just their their duration. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy to me. I mean, and, and they're putting out crazy good stuff till till the end. It's it's impressive, and and gives you a little bit of perspective too yeah. you know shut up go put a band-aid on and get back to work seriously yeah yeah bill Hines was such a huge yep. <laughs> he, was, he was such a huge inspiration because I, I met him at the cow palace probably about 10 years ago yeah and uh i remember thinking then like man i'm so fortunate to be able to shake this guy's hand because mm-hmm. i mean and that was that was 10 years ago like it's uh and he was still putting out work like how many times did he redo a version of, little, of the little bat? He like, was putting out work until three days ago. Yes, yeah. seriously. I mean, like, really, for real. Him and Brad. Nuts, yeah, yeah. And and super cool. You know, what? when the history of what we do, I mean, this is a history-driven uh, sport or craft or art or whatever you want to call it. And so when I say that these people who are, have their blinders on for nostalgia stuff, I, I'm not saying that I don't understand that i mean that is where we come from and every day that we work in here is really a tribute to the dude in 1932 decided to hop up the first flathead v8 you know um so the that's one of the it's it's a cool thing you know and and having my dad kind of understanding now you know when i was a kid i had no clue that any of this was important. You know, nothing's important in the world. Nothing's important unless you decide it's important. Yeah. It took me a long time to realize and decide that there's something important about this that we're doing. Uh, he's always, my dad's always, you know, said that I'm a pop culture historian and that it's Americana. It's a part of this country. Yeah. It's a part of, there aren't very many things that are purely American, you know, uh, jazz, for instance, uh, and hot rodding, I think, are are two unadulterated original American things. Uh, you know that that's pretty neat to, and, and also it's pompous to you know, like I said, I just am in this little niche, so I think it's important. But you know, if you if you're doing this, you got to honor that, um, and part of that is appreciating, you know, what's come before you and and. And really taking the the cues, the style cues, and the stuff that that you're putting into your cars, and, and knowing where it came from is important to me, anyway. Awesome. So I guess before we wrap up, we talked about customer cars and stuff you worked at other shops. Do you want to talk about your uh, your shoebox you're working on, or any personal stuff? Oh yeah, I got too much personal stuff to fit in one. That could be. You want to do another podcast? <laughs> um. Yeah, I Go mean through the list, Bill. The list, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the. It's been it's funny. I'm at a period now where it's been a long time since I've had a running, hot rod or custom car. I'm a custom, 
I've li- I liked custom since I was a kid. I'm, I'm, I consider myself more of a custom person than a hot rod person. Uh, not to say that I don't appreciate hot rods also, but um, it's been a long time since I had a car. And uh, now, right as we speak, I've got like four that are just so far from being done that it's, you know, and I don't, it, it, nowadays I'm getting older and, you know, nine o'clock at night, I'm finally done with the paperwork. And it's like, I could go put a half hour in on my shoebox. You know, when is it going to get done? But anyway, I've got grand plans for them regardless. Um, so yeah, the shoebox, you know, I had my, my 50 sedan since I, I got that when I was 17 and drove that daily for, you know, 12 years straight as a daily driver. Just love shoeboxes. I'm, I, for whatever reason, I just was drawn to them as a, as a kid, as a young kid. You know, there's certain cars that you remember as a kid. I knew I was a car person since I could see, uh, and, and, and was very specifically drawn to certain cars, custom cars primarily. And, uh, shoe boxes were kind of the, it, you know, the, the Buster Litton shoe box is just one of the best custom cars ever made. It just, I just love that car. Um, but anyway, so I, I got my sedan wanting a coupe, but at 17, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, and finally, uh, my dad got that car. If, if nobody knows what car we're talking about, that's, uh, it's been through a lot of different versions. Uh, some of them a a little better versions in its later life. Uh, but it was, it's the gold, uh, 52 door that was on the cover of uh, the Rotters Journal, oh maybe six issues ago now, seven issues something like that. Uh, my dad redid it most recently before it was on on the cover. Um, but I always wanted a coupe. There was a coupe, another coupe that really stuck out to me that was uh, a black coupe with a a louvered hood, and it was super slammed back in the early 90s when nothing was that low, and it just has always stuck out to me. So I finally got a chance to get a coupe uh, and I'm going to build it. And, and, and I take, you know, I take cues, like I said, from history. So, you know, the, the junior's car and it, it's few different iterations, the Goulart uh, car and it's more refined. I think earlier version uh, that bottle, you know, that uh, lime green coupe always has stuck out to me. And more recently, uh, Bazo's uh, coupe that, that uh, um, Marcos did at Lucky 7 is just, you know, one of those cars where you're like, oh, man, you nailed it. Yeah. So I got a lot of ideas kicking around. We'll see what it actually ends up coming into as, as a car for myself. But um, got the 64 Riviera that I'm going to just do. My dad's going to paint it, do a nice paint job on it and drive the shit out of it and I want to get back into having some more fun with my own cars and I've had my head down just working so much. I take other people's cars to shows when I have to, and I haven't driven my own car in a long time. So I kind of want to get back to that because that's what else is there really. So I have an Impala. Oh yeah. Donnie has an Impala. It sits in my garage. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the history of that car is cool. That's a meaningful car to your family. Uh, my uncle, was a drag photographer and did that all the way through 2010. So he he took over my dad's photography business in 69. And uh, he bought Ellis Brooks' car oh, wow. uh, that Ellis Brooks custom ordered 
um, and had a brain aneurysm and they put the car back on the lot with 300 miles on it and my uncle bought it in 64 and uh, when he my uncle passed away in 2011 and left me that car huh. and uh, uh, so it's 327 with the B&M hydro stick and uh, kind of a cool car I mean street kind of muscle before you know muscle car so mid 60s had Astro slots on it and uh, and, be, and because they were photographers there's all sorts of old dusty photos I mean so Donnie's uncle's and dad's collection is crazy extensive catalog of Bay Area in particular Bay Area drag racing history all the cars name a dragster and they've taken a picture of it yes, through, from the 60s till now they, they were always published drag world mm-hmm. and it, you know uh, my dad was a track photographer at Fremont, so if you shot photos there, you got a pass from my dad. Um, so, like with the Impala, they I I have, you know, photos of them driving, you know, to SoCal to go to Lions to shoot on the weekends, and and then hit Riverside on Saturday night, and you know, those kinds of things. So. They drive the car there, but then it'd be in the background just on accident, you know. So there's a bunch of pictures of the car back in the day. I mean, yeah, it's just it's a cool awesome. historic you know, little piece of, of Donnie's personal family history that's pretty neat for him him to have and be restoring or, well. So I'm, go- I'm going through it. Yeah. I've, I've made some update. I put a, I actually put a five-speed in it instead of running a, you a what? stick. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, that's lame. So lame. I put disc brakes on it. Oh, my, Jesus. I know. See, dude, but you're fired. <laughs> Pack your shit. It's those things, though, but I'm going to haul my two kids around in it, you know, and we're, we're going to do that damn thing and, and drive in the car, you know. So it's got a new motor in it. I put a 9-inch in the rear end, and so it'll still get shitty. And yeah, It's got a, a, a pretty decent motor. Um, so just doing all that, parsing it together, it, hopefully it'll be on the street uh, maybe the end of summer. Awesome. Um, but, yeah. Our goal, our goal is to uh, drive to Austin uh, one of these years. Well, yeah. we had that goal for this year, um, and but we decided to spontaneously have another child, right. so that kind of got put on the back burner. Breeders. I'm doing it for the rest of y'all. I mean, I would have had that riv done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. You ruined it for everyone. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of our cars, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all we can talk about right now. <clears throat> <clears throat> There's other projects. Thinking ahead. Oh yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's that's the problem, man. I, you know, I love. I fucking love cars. I just can't not. You know. The, well, you show me a car that's for sale for the right price, and I just can see what I would do to it, and then I want it. You Who know? can I borrow money from? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We, we, we've got the problem just like everybody else. Yeah. 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 I have wheels that I don't fucking need. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. All that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Awesome. Well, we got over an hour. Is there anything else you guys want to want to cover? or um, I guess I would probably like to say something about the Pearson Coupe. Yeah. Oh, we didn't. Uh, or I just Joe. Re- 
Shout out to Joe. Oh, yeah. Well, so if you've made it this far into the podcast already, <laughs> uh, you're crazy. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I shit, man. Then I'll, I'll try and keep this uh, relatively quick. Um, uh, uh, sorry for mentioning this so late, but one crucial integral part in addition to Chris Plant, uh, the the uh, three uh, people who really make all this possible and that I wouldn't have probably half the, uh, uh, well, quality, you know, of, of the cars that I build if it weren't for Joe uh, Campani and Ryan Campy and now Travis Duffy of uh, Campani Color, who are right next door here and we're kind of a, a team yeah. He's a separate business, but uh, he paints everything that I build and other stuff if anyone's looking for a paint job. Um, but uh, he's just, you know, he's he's he worked for Roy also. Uh, he came, started there years after I had started, yeah. but we... He's done 7,032 chassis now. He's painted a lot of frames, a lot of frames, <laughs> a lot of... Uh, of uh, Mullins steering boxes. He's painted uh, probably, I'd say, in the thousands of tie rod ends. Sure. <laughs> he has a fixture for every ball joint. Yeah, yeah. You want a guy with a fixture for whatever you want to paint? Come to Campani Color. Um, but yeah, so he started there. Uh, you know, years after I did. Yeah, super. You know, I was twenty one, I twenty two when I started there, and and Joe was maybe even younger, but he's you know eight nine years younger than me. Seven years? I don't know. Anyway. No, Ryan's 10 years younger than me. Yeah. But uh, we together built Roy's, well, I say built, kind of, you know, did it, the majority of the work on. I, I did the most of the fabrication uh, on Roy's 55 Chevy, the gold 55 Chevy that we then eventually took. On, he let us take to Nebraska. We drove it from here to Lincoln, Nebraska on Americruise. Again, I'm bad with dates, 08, something like that. Um and so Joe and I kind of bonded over that. Uh, he painted the whole car in house. Uh, one of the one of the first cars that Joe full complete builds that Joe painted at Brizio's. Oh, that's such a nice car. It's... Well, it, it'd be nice if it was back on the road. Roy's been putting motors in and out of it, trying to trying to get that thing back on the road. Um, uh, and and it was just you know Joe, he's a young kid who just has an incredible amount of integrity and work ethic. Passionate car and passionate guy. at doing this stuff. Yeah. So he's, I just, I'm like, we're doing this together, dude. Whether you want to or not, I'm sorry, but, um, and and that's part of the reason why I moved here to Hayward from South City was because his shop, he lives here and his shop was here, and so I'm, I started looking at spots over here, and I said, hey, let's kind of buddy up here. Uh, anyway, so he's painted all these cars, Lepish pickup, uh, the uh, Breeze Coupe. The Pearson Coupe, the Ruggiero Merck, um, you know, uh, all the good cars that I've done, <laughs> which which are so few. Um, so the Pearson Coupe, um, I guess we we can't not mention that. Uh, you know, coming out of the the tradition of the restoration work that I was able to do at Roy's, mm -hmm. and like I said, him kind of allowing me to garner a reputation for that to some extent. Uh, when uh, Jim Babowski ended up being able to buy the, the Pearson Coupe, the 36, uh, it happened to be in Glendale where I was not born but mostly raised and my parents still live. My dad lived, lives. 
lived at the time, and he saw that car running around in Glendale because uh, it was it was there, uh, red, a street rod, uh, you know, independent front end, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Small block Chevy. Jim saw it in my dad's book as one of the lost hot rods. Kind of wasn't really lost, but uh, and ended up being able to buy it. Long story short, uh, and when he decided that he really wanted to he had that car so jimmy white at circle city uh did a a, a quick resto a dress up mm-hmm. of the car no not no paint but he he raised the suspension put the white walls on it put the appletons on it uh put the desoto bumpers on it um you know plenty of, of stuff to sort of dress it up make it look as it was just it was red uh, and put it in the 2010 GNRS uh, custom display. Yeah. And then when it came time to do the full restoration, uh, he gave me a call and uh, got me to uh, say way too low of a price, and so I did it. <laughs> um, and just, you know, to be able to do that car uh, under my own shop name was just you know having done all the cars for roy was incredible and like i said it's not something i would go around you know waving a flag about but to finally be able to do one under my own shop and have it be my name on it was i can't explain the feeling of that you know oh it's huge and that car i mean 36 is as i said i was a custom child and a 36 three window one of the first cars i wanted was a 36 three window and as a custom not a hot rod And my dad broke my spirit even back then. He was like, William, if you want that, you better start saving now. You know, he basically was like, you're never going to get one of those, even back then. Um, but that was, you know, one of the first cars that I just, you know, so 36 three windows and then having done the, the Jack Calori car. And I think, you know, because I did the Calori car and Jim knowing that, knowing that it, it won its class at Pebble Beach, which was just a crazy, talk about another crazy experience. Um, uh, so Jim came with that and he said, I want this car to be built in under the assumption that it could be invited to Pebble Beach. So I want that kind of restoration on it. And so that's what I was able to do on it uh, and regretted it ever since. <laughs> that's an amazing car. Yeah. You really feel that car. I mean, for me, um, that car just has a presence. It's a, it's a regal lady it's just undeniable really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's just those guys were awesome oh just yeah yeah the proportions of that thing and well they all, did all the hot rod stuff is so rad the history of it yeah two I mean, fuel tank and I yeah mean, it working for edelbrock the edelbrock tie to it and the pearsons themselves being tied to it uh it's just bad made it a neat a neat project yeah awesome. and bill nailed it just saying. Well, I copied the picture. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> What's so hard about who, that? <laughs> who else scales it out and, you know, makes sure everything is right? This guy, you know. There's, there's only so many photos of that car, really, yeah. like interior-wise. And... Well, I don't take a compliment very well, and, and I, I really feel... One thing that I guess uh, I, I would like to say about all of this is that I don't think you have to have much talent to do what I do. I, I think like metal shapers and uh, you know guys who are building coach built cars and stuff like that are absolutely you know there's guys who I see do stuff that is just 
amazing to me that I'm like, that's talent. Um, what this job is, is like 90% patience. Uh, it is dealing with all the day in and day out problems that you come across and still just powering through and getting it done. Uh, redoing stuff three times, even though you're getting paid to do it a half a time, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, if, if there's any legacy that I have through this shop, it's that, uh, you know, I had, uh, a moral, <laughs> you know, good, uh, you know, that I was a good person doing good work. Um, but you know, I, I don't know talent. You know, some people say that you know, oh wow, these cars are crazy. You guys have so much talent. I mean, shit, we're banging metal. <laughs> you know, when it comes down to it, nuts but and bolts. Yeah, it's I mean, nuts and bolts. It, don't sell yourself short because it's it's impressive work. But I think you're really onto something. It's about passion more than anything else. Because some people have talent and no passion. It's true. True. That's a good point. Sure. A, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that patience and perseverance. Yeah, I mean, and, and all good p words. <laughs> I got some other p words I could <laughs> add to the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I like that we finished cars. I think that was something that always drew me to to working working for Bill, and was an obvious choice was the fact that that we finished cars. I, I worked at shops that we just constantly did piecework. And that that is so tiring after a while. And you're like, where did that fucking car go? Yeah. And it's like, cool, that's hanging out in some dude's garage forever. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. You know, like you work, <laughs> work three months on something and, and, and panel fit everything and then they have no money for paint or something like, you know. Yeah. But Bill makes sure we finish the projects we have. And, and that's, that's a huge testament of his perseverance. And patience. Uh, well, yeah, I don't. Shit, I don't know. I didn't realize that that was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, I, so we started talking I've, about it. Now, like, people are like, "Wow, you know, you, cars come out of here." I'm like, well, "What the hell are we? What are we doing here?" Well, <laughs> I think that also came from Roy and the, per, you know, assembly line, like. Yeah. Well, you, you. So that's one. Has to pump out cars. Right? One thing you realize real quick. Uh, you know that I, I was naive to is that the the caliber of clientele that Roy has, you know, where checks are getting signed, and I'm not just saying that this is the way it always is. There, he has his own <laughs> customers to deal with and problems and all that. But you know, when you get to his position and you got customers who will sign checks uh, and trust that he's gonna, I mean, he's just he's a, a responsible, uh, honest person, and that's why he's gotten his reputation. So guys will come in there, and Roy will say, "Hey, that's it's going to cost you two hundred and fifty grand to build this car," and it turns out to be about two hundred and fifty grand when it's done. And the guy signs the checks, and Roy builds a car. That doesn't happen at most shops. Yeah, uh, you, it takes a while to get there. You don't build up that kind of clientele overnight. Uh, so to get cars done is it's hard. Or to have the knowledge that it's really going to take two hundred and fifty grand. Oh yeah, because that's be able to keep it to that though, people too. people. Uh, people who are either dishonest or who are inexperienced, you know, they'll write out some numbers on a page and say, I'll build you a 32 Roadster Nostalgia for 80 grand or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
and 150 into it when it's halfway done, you know, the customer's like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, and they're just like, well, this, 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 and that, blah, 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 you know, whatever. You know, so that's, you know, being honest right from the get-go and having had the experience at Roy is to really know what it takes, how much money these things cost. It's crazy. And I'll be the first one to say, I'm sorry, but if you want to do it right, that's what it costs. Well, then don't build a car. (laughs) Or don't build a car or or go take it to the guy who told you 80 grand. And then when he only gets halfway through and it's not done right, bring it back here and I'll fix it for you for what I said it would cost, (laughs) you know, um, you you see you see the uh that play out over and over again uh on different stages you know um there's a lot of good guys coming up though that really you know marcos at lucky seven brandon flanner and at at east bay they're doing you know building their trust you know good guys building quality cars there's guys doing it right um and and there's guys who aren't and you hope that your reputation kind of holds and comes through all, all the bullshit uh, eventually. But there's also people who are just always want to deal. And I've dealt with the built cars for some of those people too. You yeah. don't always get paid for what you do. Uh, and sometimes you just chalk it up to, uh, we did one for for history? I don't know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know, take the licks and hope the next one turns out better sometimes. But finishing them. Oh yeah, but we finish cars sometimes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you know, you get you get some of the customers who you know that they don't have the wherewithal to be doing what they're doing, but they just want to do it. Yeah. And so you do everything you can, give them all the options, you know, I'll lay out, "Hey man, this is a way you can save money here. Do it this way." And and 9 times out of 10, they'll choose the better way anyway, you know. And they're like, "I just want it done right," you know. And, yeah. and that's yeah, they they are as responsible for helping us get the cars done as, as we are for getting them done. In that case, lucking out with good customers. Yeah. yeah, made some good friends already doing this, which is yeah. pretty cool too. Hell yeah, that's awesome. So, if you had advice for someone else starting out a shop, just like you were, I don't know, a while ago, what what do you think you learned from running this shop that you would pass on to someone else? <laughs> Running your own shop is 10 times more work than you are ever going to expect. And that's if you really, I mean, don't do it in California, maybe. (laughs) Find a different state. Um, Yeah, just be prepared to not see your wife uh, a lot, your friends. Um, Be prepared to be tired (laughs) no you know i mean it's a lot of work just to do the bureaucracy you know working for somebody and getting a paycheck i'm just too like i i have to roy so another thing i'll say roy is in case everyone's all sick of hearing about him but i will extol the virtues of roy brizio until i can't talk anymore which is about to happen i think um you know he let me do some things there where i got to have creative control over some of the cars that I built there, which he's a micromanager in, in the best sense. I mean, maybe it's detrimental in some ways, but, uh, he just is on top of everything there. He doesn't get to work on the cars anymore, but he is discussing every detail of every car with every employee he has before it gets done. He let me do some, a couple of cars. Like, so we did a, a, a truck, and a, a shoebox for uh, Eric Clapton there. And 
he really kind of let me go with some design elements on those cars that maybe it's his fault that I'm, I'm here now. You know, it really, you know, it gave me the bug of like, oh, wow, you know, let me, <laughs> let me design something. And, and it just, I'm that, I, I'm that personality. I don't want to go do what somebody tells me all the time. And that's why, you know, when we're, when I'm talking about a car with Donnie, I'm like, you know, I hope anyway that I'm like, what do you think this should be sometimes? You know, uh, what, what do you think about this size wheel and tire? What do you think about cutting this this way or whatever? You know, and letting. That's the only way that I'm able to work though, too, is because I, I feel like I have a vested interest in everything I work on, too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it, it's very much appreciated that we get to bounce things around, and, and it's part of what. I feel like our dynamic here is working. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's also why I think you're having such a hard time finding someone else. Right. <laughs> well, but it's, it's true. I mean, it, it, it really, and, and kudos to, to Rolf for realizing that we would work out well. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, you know, that dude is like glue. You know what I mean? As far as like knowing how people are gonna gel. And... Yeah, I think Rolf really ultimately is the grand puppeteer, he and like is, we just don't know it. This. Well, I think he's mentioned... controlling most of what goes on in America. Well, he's kind of like Trump. Yeah, <laughs> his hair is almost as magnificent. Oh wow, it's all in his belly though. <laughs> but like you even mentioned going to the the Cow Palace show, yeah. and Rolf was. You know, huge in doing that, right? Oh, he, I mean, Rolf, it's crazy to me, you know, my, my, what I feel like was the Rolf period of my life. Uh, It was the Rolf years. The Rolf. Yeah, because, you know, when I was working for Roy and and Rolf. It's still happening for me. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, you know, we, we, we had that shop together and man, I, Boogie just posted a picture on Instagram of me sectioning Rolf's truck. Right. I, forgot that even happened i'm like oh shit i did that you know but we man we bombed that truck all over california for a period of you know five years or so but uh but anyway enough about the red baron we don't want his head to get bigger um but yeah anyway so i i what i would say to somebody starting their own shop is you really gotta want to be the person who controls and builds these cars and and you're gonna have to deal with way more than just building cars to operate a business you know i mean dealing with all the crap that you have to deal with with the city and the state and uh, edd and all that you know i don't want to be a downer about that but just expect all that shit and it's going to weigh you down a little bit so you got to power through all that stuff and and take advantage of the moments when you're in the shop actually doing what you love and if you love it you'll do it is that enough yeah i'm you, you want to know anything more about us? <laughs> we're, we're, that's the most I think I've talked about myself combined in my whole life. That's pretty awesome. sure. It's great to hear. Like I, like you said, I, I don't know that it, at least me, I, I didn't know where to look to learn more about you. So I think it's, it's really awesome to hear you guys open up and talk about what's important to you. Cause it's, it's a special shop. I mean, you guys really put out awesome work and you could tell it comes from a place of, like a lot of passion and a lot of understanding, like how to build that that forty uh, the the Hurado. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I struggle with that. I think I want to say Hurado. Hurado. Tony Tony Hurado. To do something um, 
that that walks that line between traditional custom hot rod street rod like to to balance that and, and build it it's something special and well I that, couldn't imagine it coming from another shop I mean it really I I wow. I mean to honestly and I, I don't mean this you know just saying it I, I really appreciate hearing that because especially about that car you know you can build a a, a sick Merc and you know people are going to be like, wow, it's a nice Merc, you know. Mm-hmm. Something like that where I really stepped out a little bit. It's a risk. Uh, yeah. It is risky and, and not in a in a crazy risky like, oh, my God, you built a full custom body uh, fiberglass monstrosity like, uh, you know, uh, Ed Roth or something. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but it's a risk for me. I mean, that shows you how refined my sensibility kind of is with cars. You know, I, I'm – I like to say that I – I I do stuff. I, I don't mean this to be arrogant. I mean, I want to do it just a little better. You know, take away the thing that was a little too much on this one car. You know, that the Ruggiero Merc. Uh, granted, that car had been started by the time when it came to my shop, and, and Matt Townsend uh, just he's the same. You know, everything that he does just looks right. You know, and and so it got started by a person who knew what they were doing. And I told Nick, you know, if the chop was wrong on that car, I would have cut the top right back off, you know. But uh, just what Matt did on that car was already nailed it. Yeah. Granted, that car, and this is whether it was controversial back in the day, you know, whatever. uh, But we ended up redoing everything on that car, and that's just the way that car worked out because of Nick being neurotic and changing his mind, you know, every other day, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, but my take on that car was to do the, do a Merc with nothing wrong on it because there's been a handful, less than a handful. I can name like two Mercs that I could look at and say, there's nothing wrong on that car. You look at some cars and you're like, God damn, they were, it's so good. It's so perfect. But why the fuck did they do that one little thing? You know, and and it's subjective, of course, but uh, my goal is to do a car, any car, where somebody walks around it and they're like, "Man, I I wouldn't change a thing on this car. You just nailed it. It's subtle, but there's nothing wrong with it, you know." So that being the baseline of my approach, doing something like that for me is a step out, you know. That's redline tires. I mean, I never, you wouldn't, have, couldn't have paid me two years ago. To, to say that I would have put redline tires on a car someday and I've got two of them now within a year, you know, it's like, you know, but also I also want to be open-minded and hot rodding was about stepping out back in the day and doing something crazy that hadn't been done before. And if we all just are building traditional cars exactly the way they were done in 1947, then what is hot rodding become but just a regurgitation oh great you can copy that era really well you know good for you and and i'm not saying that i i mean my dad built one of those cars the the he built the nitty and it's a beautiful 32 i i love it and i I wouldn't change anything about it um but i couldn't just do that over and over and over and over again you know i want to do something different here and there i want to build a nostalgia car and then i want to build a 60s car and then i want to build somebody came in here and said i want to build a riddler contender show me the money and let's do it you know i mean i don't want to be narrow-minded i don't want to be pigeonholed uh and i don't care if 
people who originally thought of me as a nostalgia person stop following me on Instagram because I built something from the seventies, you know, well then if, if you're that narrow minded, go follow, uh, uh, old crow or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's fine. Do, do that and I'll, I'll do my own thing. <laughs> Sorry. I just alienated like <laughs> all the people who are listening to this podcast, but, but you know, it, that's, that's the way I look at things. It, it, it you gotta be, I'm into music. I ain't just into hip hop. I'm not just into, uh, you know, early rock and roll. I'm not just in, you know, I'm, I listen to whatever I'll try it once, Yeah. you know, I'll try. And, and that's kind of the way I look at styles as well. And there's certain things I don't like, like, you know, I ain't going to listen to pop country music. I, I, it makes my ears bleed. Some things I wouldn't do to a car, but you know, sure. but I don't want to be, uh, so narrow minded. And, and also I, I'll go to Trog, yeah. uh, and, and, watch them do 23 miles an hour down the, the sand and be like, wow, that was a cool, fun day, you know, and, and support it. That's fine. Um, I don't need to just lambaste people who don't do exactly what I do. Um, so that was the controversial portion of the podcast. <laughs> Let's end it on that note. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it'd be interesting. You know, I'd be really interested to see if people don't know me, you know, and only know the stuff I've built, yeah, I, I would assume they have a pretty, if they're only judging me on my cars, which I basically said I'd rather, yeah. uh, they probably have a pretty narrow perspective of who I am as a builder. Um, you know, at Brizio's, we did all sorts of stuff, and I cut my teeth building people don't know that. 90s, well, 2000 street rods. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's exactly the thing. I don't think people know that, that you had input on those other cars. You know, too. No, right. So it's right. cool to 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 put like Tony's car out there. I think that 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 like you say, like you know, it's neat to see. Well, we, I, we appreciate hearing that. It, that's it's, I it's hope different. that people would have your perspective on it. Like, yeah. wow, you know, of all these cues that are cool in their own way, you really put them together, kind of neat on that that forty, you know. And the next time I build one, I'm gonna guarantee you it's going to be a traditional custom you know because i got it i ain't going to do another one of those you know uh but it was definitely fun to do once and uh hopefully a few people like it you know but also shit man tell me when to shut up you know the, the another thing that i worry about about having a shop is that you have to have an identity and if i just said earlier i want people to come into my shop because they appreciate my aesthetic if I'm building a different car every time I build one, I'm never really going to develop a, an aesthetic. So I, I kind of would like what people see to come out of my shop, even though some of the stuff's nostalgia stuff that I had to just follow. A, it, it is the way it was. Yeah. If they like the way I refine stuff and, and I can work with any style and make it look, you know, put the right elements of a certain period on a car and only take the stuff that's aesthetically appealing and put it together the right way. Um, yeah, I'd be a little worried if I go a little too far outside, and, and so my style is just ambiguous. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground. Um, yeah. Thank you guys very much. Thanks yeah, absolutely. I'm. I'm like I said when you first contacted me about this. I. Uh, my reaction is is a. Why would you want to interview <laughs> me? And b. Uh, I'm flattered. <laughs> you know, it's kind of. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, I, I'm uncomfortable in case that hasn't been slightly apparent talking about myself. Uh, 
but in a way, I guess it's a little cathartic. Now it's been put on the record, and I can go back to being a troglodyte in the back of the <laughs> shop. <laughs> it's done. Thanks, thanks for yeah, thanks for, for putting this uh, into digital form. <laughs> and thanks also, you know, what you're doing uh, is cataloging this portion, this era, this yeah. little moment in time of our of our sport or you know I, I it's funny there is no word to say to yeah. what do you call it our, our hobby um and and, and uh, being a son of a of a journalist uh i very i mean you know the rotters journal pop up now uh but all the you know street rotter hot rod all those magazines uh if they hadn't have publicized and disseminated information about what was going on in this little corner of southern california i don't know if hot riding ever really would have taken off you know uh so not only did it help it to become what it is uh, and some publishers had the sense to know that and put it out you're also cataloging you know where the sport's at now uh, and and that's beneficial as well i i might look at this in 30 years and be like oh my god i'm so embarrassed <laughs> of who i was at age 38 but whatever hopefully i'll be better by then so so thank you as well is what i'm trying to say yeah that that means a lot like like it's your dad is such a huge inspiration like i wouldn't know about the things that i care about so much without him doing such a great job of documenting it like i mean his writing has been such a huge part of part of my life it's that that's really so i've kind of gotten used to hearing people say that every now and then yeah. i've also gotten very used to saying pat Ganall is an asshole <laughs> he said something negative about my car at the kkoa meet in 1973 you know <laughs> so i i get it i get real uh tentative when i'm meeting somebody and they find out that i'm pat's son yeah. uh is you that know. a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> is it a good thing or a bad thing exactly is this gonna color your perspective of me from here on out but uh I didn't realize, like going back to what I was saying a little earlier about I didn't know that this was important. Uh, I didn't, I just, you know, my dad's a, I mean, and not in a negative sense, but a hack writer for magazines, you know, going out and taking photos and wrenching on his car at night. You know, it, it wasn't anything special to me. It was just to be taken, it was taken for granted. I, you know, grew up in it or with it. Uh, so the day, and I will remember this, the day that I, his office at home where he, you know, he worked for Peterson Publishing in an office, so he was gone a lot, mm-hmm. was on road trips a lot, but he also was home when he was in between working for magazines doing freelance stuff, so he worked from home for a certain period, so he's got a big office with all of his memorabilia, books, magazines, model cars, all of his car stuff, and just, you know, random knickknacks and trophies and shit on the, on the shelves. And I don't know how old I was. I couldn't even, I could have been eight and I could have been 16. I don't really remember. And I looked up and there's a hall of fame trophy with my dad's name on it. And it honestly wouldn't have even dawned, occurred to me that that was something you could be in the hall of fame for, <laughs> you know, it's like builders are hall of fame members. Uh, and I was like, what the fuck? Why? You know, and it was, you know, I'm like, holy, and it, I finally realized, I was like, oh, wow, like, that's actually something to be 
a part of this industry that's important. And, and, uh, I mean, it really, I it was taken aback. I was like, holy crap, my dad's in the hall of fame. Yeah, what of the, the hell? <laughs> yeah. The big picture. Yeah. Really, really just didn't dawn on me that that was even a, you know, a thing. It, it was kind of a revelation. Uh, and I'm still not sure why. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, you know, I, I appreciate everything that my dad has done for the industry uh, in a big way and only come to appreciate it more and more. His knowledge is insane. He, he'll tell you, you know, you'll talk to him or I'll talk to him and, and he'll be trying to remember a name and can't remember it. And he'll be like, oh my God, my Alzheimer's, I can't remember anything anymore. But then he'll rattle off 10 more names of and the cars and what magazine they were in right after it. And, you know, he, he concentrates on that one that he couldn't remember. I mean, he's just a encyclopedia of knowledge and he also doesn't know a lot of stuff, you know, but as much as he's been called an opinionated person and, and I think people think of him as being arrogant, but it's because he's really deadpan and he'll just speak his mind. Yeah. But I think he's as down to earth as anyone. He'll be the first to tell you, I don't know anything about that. You know, uh, uh, he's, that's, he's just been true. misunderstood a little bit <laughs> over the years. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Couldn't be happier to you know, have, have had, Roy is a reason I'm here. And obviously it goes without saying that my dad's a reason I'm here. Um, so I've had, I've had a, I wouldn't say a silver spoon, maybe a, a bronze spoon, <laughs> you know, and, and wouldn't, don't regret a, a bit of that. Awesome. That was fun. Yeah. Good. I, how long did it end up being? Uh, I think we were just about hour 45. Damn it! No one's gonna listen to that. <laughs> You'd be surprised, man. Like, it's a, it's a medium that's really easy to interact with. Like, yeah. you just put it on and it, it goes by quick. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that that end one of it is almost three hours. I know. Yeah, yeah. I saw the thing and I was like, uh, I'm just gonna listen to the beginning because. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, the the, the guys. I'm going to listen to the, the ones that I don't know, the, the two that I don't know. But, you know, I know the guys from East Bay, uh, Brandon and, and Aaron are who, what I would say very you know good friends or well, acquaintances, friends, uh, you know, and, and Brandon, Brandon worked for Daryl uh, while all the way from doing the uh, calorie car. I'm pretty sure he was there when I did the calorie car for Roy and Daryl painted all those cars. Daryl painted the calorie car, Barris Merck, a la carte. Uh, and I don't remember on the McMullen car how that one got done because obviously there was the flames and pinstriping and all that. I, I know he was involved. Um, so Brandon, it's funny, you know, Brandon's Brandon's trajectory has mimicked mine in certain ways. Just, you know, he's younger than I am and it's been by that, you know, the truck that he did. He's a lot uglier though. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually beg to differ he's a stunning specimen no no no, no. aaron oh aaron oh aaron i would really leave cute. my wife for aaron grossbeck yes. yeah in a second <laughs> um but so uh but anyway the, the 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 similarities in in what uh brandon and i have have our path our paths i'm not gonna insult him by saying that he and I are similar people, but I'm just saying our paths, uh, our trajectories have gone in very similar ways. Uh, him working for Daryl and cutting his teeth there for so long, me at Roy's. And the first truck that he did was kind of on the side doing that green, 
Cushionberry uh, uh, truck, which was. It's funny. It's so similar to the. It's. I mean, it's the same freaking truck, really. You know. You know. All in all. Uh, except he put radials on his, which I will never let him live Ooh, that down. Sick, <laughs> sick burn. Yeah. No. I, you know. Um, and and he he took it to the Grand National Show and and won the West Coast Customs Award. I mean, it was like not like uncannily exactly the same thing, kind of. Yeah. And then with the the Mickey's Mouse building a, a historic, uh, you know, build like that, and then getting it on the cover of, of the Rotters Journal. I mean, it's literally his thing has been. So he really should be scared shitless because if my career just starts to tank, like he knows what's going to happen next to him. <laughs> if I get run over by a bus tomorrow, he's probably going to get, but a train, you know, he'll get hit by a train or something, something a little different, but, but he knows what's going to happen. It'll have radials for sure. <laughs> oh man. We love those dudes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, ha- having so he he was involved with many of the cars throughout that I was doing for Roy. He was helping Daryl paint those cars and bodywork them. So uh, I feel uh, kinship with Brandon just being involved. You know, like like building Roy's fifty five with Joe. There, Joey. There's there's no you can't take that away. You know, there's a bond at doing something that cool with another person that shares your your feeling about this, this business. And, and another thing about that, you know, is like people who are antagonistic and too prideful, arrogant. Uh, I don't understand that at all. Like we're, maybe you could say we're kind of competing for business, but really we've got our own little friends and our groups of customers who kind of keep coming back and word of mouth. Like I know Mickey ain't going to bring someone here. And, and you know what I mean? That, that kind of, or, or art or whatever, you know, we've got our own little base and, and we just, it, it, the camaraderie so far outweighs, you know, the negativity to me. They're so far away. What? In the far East Bay. Oh, the far, yeah, East Bay, I don't know if that's. <laughs> that estuary? Concord, Bay? East, um... East California? Oh, well. No, <laughs> oh yeah that's right yeah no and, and i don't just mean brandon i just mean like all in all you know people talking shit about you know other people's work and stuff like that I, I just i don't i don't like that part of people's personalities in general let alone it seeping into hot rotting which to me is uh a, a if you're not going to have camaraderie doing this like you know what hope is there for humankind at least we can poke fun at each other. And well, that's the thing. Be cool, have ahead. fun and poke fun, and and that's fun. You know, yeah, yeah, there's a... I mean, that's what American capitalism is supposed to be, right? You know, you're using the <laughs> the the propensity of human beings to be... Uh, to, to compete, you know, but you got to have a little bit of government regulation here to keep it all above board and everything copacetic. You know, uh, maybe there's not enough... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Whatever, whatever the fuck that means. But but we still get to go to shows and kick it with the. I have so much fun. You know, I you, you do so much work and you kill yourself trying to get to a show. Yeah. Every time they're a pain in the ass. You get to the show and you're just so like your brain is gone and you just have fun fucking around with your friends. Yeah. You know? Forget about everything. People 
the peer group at large. Yeah, I mean, so many people that that I've met and become friends with because of this is is super cool. And I don't. I assume you're not recording anymore. It's still going. One thing, I, well, that whole, you can cut that whole center section for that, that little last part out, do some editing. Um, one thing that I would like to say that you could add on here or, or edit it in somehow or whatever is uh, Daryl Hollenbeck. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the... He's cute, too. He is a sexy lad. Like, just, well, not lad. He's more like a sexy grandpa now. Yeah. <laughs> he... Him and me, you know, uh, I was scared shitless of that guy when I first met him because I think when I was Roy's shop bitch, he sent me to Concord to go pick up some parts or drop off something, you know, when I wasn't really, Daryl had no clue who I was for sure. And, and you know, it's this super tatted up dude, you know, who he is in the Hall of Fame already and is a brutal painter and stuff. And, and I'm just like, hi, Mr. Hollenbeck, I have some parts for you. You know, he's like, says like, not even a word, you know, it was just like, whatever, you know. And then to end up being able to do the projects I did with him, you know, he painted the, the, the Calori car. It was the first big project, meaningful thing that, that he and I kind of did. And Roy would send me over to Daryl's to talk about panel fitment and whatever, you know, over the course of, of him painting it and doing the, them painting it and doing the body work. <clears throat> and so I got to know him. We took that car to Pebble Beach together, uh, Roy, me, and Daryl, really, um, and uh, that was an experience unlike any I'll probably ever have again. It was the worst experience of my life and the best experience of my life all rolled into one. Uh, I was way too young and inexperienced, I'll be the first to say it, to have been put in charge of, of that project. Uh, and I threw myself into it and just did the best I could. I, I did so much research and still got shit wrong. I'll admit that as well. Um, but somehow the the nervousness of having a car judged on the lawn at Pebble Beach for the first time as a 26-year-old, after you were the one, if something's wrong on that car, it's my fault, you know, uh, just, I mean, I should have been wearing a diaper the whole weekend, you know. Then after all that buildup and all that nervousness and worrying about, is this right? Is that right? It wouldn't start at one point when they had to fire it up for the judging. Roy, Roy, I don't know if it was flooded or what, but, and they were like, why don't you just relax guys and we'll come back around and, and see if it starts then. And so Roy and I were like, Oh shit, we got to get this thing to run. You know, and they came back and it, we got it to fire up. And then to have those things pull up the way they do three in a row and they go from third, second, first and i just had convinced myself another one of those cars that i love is the ralph jalek uh 40 i mean that car is just you know one of those exercises in perfection i mean that shop uh was the best by far they just they had the eye i thought that car was going to win because it was elegant in the way that i thought a pebble beach car should be and i just was fully pebble beach's politics uh, they're going to pick the car that they think looks best on the podium. And that car is just elegant, a Pebble Beach car. Not to say that the Calori car isn't, I mean, to me, uh, it is a fantastic looking car. It, so I just, I, and maybe I was like just trying to build myself up to not be let down if we didn't win it. And also at the same time, who the fuck cares if you win or not? You know, 
I also have that, but when you put that much time into it and your customer is standing right there, Jack Calori was there, you know, when they, we kind of knew the third place car was going to be the third place car and they called it out. So it was us and the Gillette car there. And uh, Jeff from the Rotters Journal uh, was with me, uh, uh, with the kid, who is a guy who I haven't seen in a long time. Um, but we were ragtag crew in the middle of drinking. We you know, were drinking Budweiser's in a can. And, you know, I didn't know how to dress. I was probably wearing Dickies and skate shoes, you know, at the at Pebble Beach. They called the second place was the, they're like, and in second place is uh, from wherever the Jalek car. And I just literally like almost passed out. I remember I just like, I think I like kind of squatted down and Jeff and the kid just started going ballistic with their beers and they started pouring their beers on my head and screaming. And I remember this one dude with elbow patches on his jacket with a, I think he had a champagne turned around and he was like, Oh, did you have something to do with this car? <laughs> and, and Jeff's like, he built it. And he's like, well, get up there, son. And so I literally, I was like, should I? And I started running up like to the thing and they were driving around and, and Roy and, and Jack, Roy and Jack were in the car. Jack Calori himself were driving. And I just, Roy was crying because he's a crier. <laughs> and I just remember I, reached in and I gave him a hug and he was like, we did it, man. Like, it was just one of those like, oh, fuck. That was a crazy experience. Daryl ran up with me at the same time and I just, you know, gave him a hug and I remember Terry, his wife, was crying and it's so funny to think back now. She was like, now we can get our booth. She was like, that to her it meant we've reached this echelon now we can finally get a paint booth you know That's awesome. um yeah it, it was a really it was a cool a cool experience and i try to take that with a grain of salt it was a cool experience not something that i really care to try again yeah. <laughs> pebble beach was a, interesting in that way but anyway so we ended up uh my friendship with daryl started there we ended up uh uh getting to play a little part in assembling his uh 32 roadster that uh, yeah. that just won ambr which so many people were involved in, uh, but um, Corey Tolbert uh, and Dan Webb and, and Ashley, uh, you know, built that car, um, which I wrote the article in Hop Up about, yeah. you know, so it's been told, I guess, if, you, if anyone reads. Um, but that was a really cool moment, too, for that car uh, to win AMBR. Yeah. And I know it's controversial, uh, but in... in if I were on the board, you know, the judges, I don't think I would have had the balls to pick it. You know, it, I, I can't separate myself from it, sure. so it's hard to say, but uh, I can't believe they did. And But God bless them for it. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, yeah. and, and just a neat thing. I'm really happy. Daryl's become, he's just a super solid guy and somebody I have fun with every time I hang out with him and talk to him. You know? Awesome. I suppose I should let you guys get back to work. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll do. Okay, that'll do. <laughs> I didn't. Awesome. I didn't figure on a podcast of me talking that you would have to cut me off. That's a surprise. You get to learn things about yourself uh, in weird ways. So, cool. thank you guys so much. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Cool. All right, you've made it to the end, man. That was so much fun. I really hope you enjoyed it. 
This is the sort of thing that I was dreaming about doing when I had the idea for this podcast, and I'm so excited to see it come together. So I do this podcast, my blog, all of that stuff uh, completely for free. There's no ad support or anything like that, and I'm happy to do it because it's something that I really care about. So if you feel like you want to give something back to the show, what would mean so much to me would be if you could tell your friends, put it out there, and let people know that this show exists. I love making these, and I would love for more people to hear them. Thank you so much for listening.